Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Hormonal Mama podcast. Today on the show, I'm interviewing Allison Lieberman. Allison is a licensed family and marriage therapist. She's also a postpartum anxiety expert. And on today's episode, we are talking all about postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression, her own personal experience and her professional experience. She's talking about what you can do to help when you are going through these struggles and how she can help you too. So this is an excellent, very important episode. You won't want to miss it. Stick around. We'll see you in just a minute. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the show. I'm psyched to have you here. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. You you know, I've been very excited to talk to you. I know I had to reschedule last time we were supposed to talk, um, but I've been psyched to talk to you about all that you do because you have a really interesting background and the work that you do is so important. So, so important. And, you know, I really want to talk about it. Um, and before we even jump into that, I I think a really good place to start is talking about what I like to call this thing called new motherhood. It's such a bizarre <laughs> experience, right? There's like, I, I feel like it needs its own title. That's just like some really crazy thing that we can all be like, oh yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really, uh, there's so much that comes along with being a new mom. There's stress, there's anxiety, there's this struggle, that struggle, there's all kinds of pressure. Um, and I don't know. I just think, I think sometimes, not sometimes, I think frequently we, and I'm going to put myself in that category. Cause even though my children are almost three, I still feel like I'm a new mom. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I think we all struggle in different ways. And I feel like a lot of us just are never really prepared because I think it's really hard to prepare. Um, Absolutely. But this is an area that you specialize in. So I'd really like to talk about kind of, um, let's talk about about let's talk a little bit about those struggles that pressure and really just dive in and tell me how you help women with all of this yeah so I it's interesting I posted a poll today on my Instagram saying and it was like a simple like yes or no was your postpartum experience what you expected it to be and I I was thinking like maybe some people would say yes Mm -hmm. and a hundred percent of the people that responded said no. <laughs> I mean, that makes so, so much sense to me now, right? Before I was yes. like, what? Oh my gosh. Wow. That's crazy. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Which I think is like a pretty telling thing, right? Which is that we assume motherhood is going to be one thing, no matter what our background is. And it usually just kicks us in the butt because mm-hmm. that's not the case. And whether it is because we expect to have this magical bond and just love motherhood, Mm -hmm. or if we think it's going to be bananas and it's not as crazy as we thought it was going to be like, it tends, yeah, it tends to just throw us for a loop. And then in addition to just like it being different than we expected, you have like the sleep deprivation that is inexplainable, right? Mm -hmm. Like when someone asks like, what is it like to be sleep deprived after you have a baby? It's like really hard to describe the level of sleep deprivation that you experience because it's more than pulling an all-nighter. 
It's more than, you know, having a fun weekend and just not sleeping a lot. (laughs) Right. Because like you get the opportunity to make up for that. And those are your choices. Right. Whereas like you had a choice that you had, you made the choice to have the baby. right? Right. But like you didn't sign up for three to 12 months of not sleeping through the night right uh-huh. like you were hopeful that like at one point the baby was going to adjust and all of that so I think there's just like so many elements just in terms of that transition but then in, on top of that is like the societal pressure around motherhood and new motherhood and all of that so totally when when I work with moms in therapy and then I'm also working on developing a program I have like a blueprint that is all about like, how do you manage your expectations and the grief around those expectations? Because your reality is typically not the same. You're so right. You, everything that you just said is like, yep, 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 yep. Um, you know, and I, I, I can speak from my own experience, right? I, I had no idea because I, at least for me, a lot of the stuff that I, I wasn't prepared for anything at all, but a lot of things that I had heard about was more about the stuff with pregnancy, all the mm-hmm. drama that comes along with pregnancy, because I mean, even if you have the world's best pregnancy, there's still plenty of drama with that. But I, I never felt like, I never felt like there was enough information about that postpartum period. And like, you're talking about sleep deprivation, I mean, that is so (laughs) real. And I had no clue. I was like, but the babies are going to be sleeping in our room in a bassinet next to the bed. You know, they'll wake up, I'll nurse or I'll give them a bottle or whatever. It'll be fine. I had no idea that it is not that simple is Mm -hmm. a whole thing. And that's just this much of it. Yeah, a very small portion. Right? The tiniest bit. Like, there's so much more that comes along with that sleep deprivation. Everyone tells you, oh, sleep when the baby sleeps. And I feel like, well, that's really easy to say. Yeah. You know, and it's just, yeah. yeah. And I think, like, to your point when you were saying, like, you know, your kids are almost three and you still feel like a new mom, is I think, like, the, the carryover is like basically from your birth plan through motherhood Mm -hmm. in general there's always a new stage to conquer and a new judgment to be right so like if you are like planning on having a natural birth or a medicated birth or a c-section or a v-back like there's a lot of opinions on that and then are you going to breastfeed are you going to formula feed are you going to combine the two there's a lot of opinions about that and then vaccines and Mm -hmm. maternity leave and then like you get through your first year and you're like, okay, like things are good. But then it's like, are you going to send your kid to daycare? Is your kid developing? Do they have to go to speech? Are you going to potty train? Do you like give them positive reinforcement through candy? Or do you just give them a pat on the back? Like you just have to go through all of these battles when in actuality, like we're all struggling. (laughs) Oh, you are so right. And you describe them as battles and you know what? You're so right. I, I just want to quick, because that ties into a thought I had before that I forgot. You're talking about the societal pressure that comes along yeah. with all of it. And what you're talking about right now totally goes back to that because yeah. there's so much outside pressure on top of the inside pressure that we put on ourselves. I mm-hmm. feel like it's twofold and it's kind of like, it's unfair. 
And something that you mentioned, and and I'm so glad that you mentioned it, is talking about how you're going to feed your baby, right? Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that because I had a major struggle, right? I struggled with breastfeeding. I had an extremely low milk supply, but no one could help me because Mm -hmm. everyone has an opinion Mm -hmm. and their opinion is the only opinion. And let me rephrase that. Their opinion is fact, right? (laughs) There's nothing else. This is not my opinion. This is just how it is. And you know, that's just my experience, but gosh, I, it blows my mind on either side of the equation. It doesn't matter where you look at it. There's pressure and there's judgment from every angle, no matter what you do, it's wrong in someone's eyes. And even if you know, it's right, that person's judgment clouds your judgment. And then you start thinking, okay, well, they think I'm wrong. That must mean I'm wrong. And then right, it right. becomes a whole thing. And right. I, I just, it just, uh, I'm, I'm so glad you're saying this because it's a reminder, you know, like I, I had, honestly, I was so unprepared for that, the pressure, yeah. like I knew that there was pressure about, you know, breastfeeding or not breastfeeding and, you know, fine. But man, when you're actually dealing with that outside pressure, oh my goodness, it's enough to just like make you question every decision you've ever made in your entire life up until this yes. point and then every future yes. decision you'll ever make and it's just yeah it's, it just it's funny be. yeah it's funny too because like you know with my first pregnancy and postpartum experience like I didn't breastfeed because my son was in the NICU and it was really difficult and there was like a whole thing there mm-hmm. so I just I was like oh this isn't worth my mental health so like I'm just gonna formula feed so then when I had my daughter I was like yeah, I'm in a formula feed. Like I have no interest in breastfeeding. It didn't work the first time. It's not going to work this time. And one of the nurses in labor and delivery, because I think that that's another piece that we don't really know when we're going into childbirth is like the labor and delivery nurses are very different than the mother baby nurses. And I, I would love to pick brains of both of those people, but they're two very different personality types. And, And the woman that was the nurse in labor and delivery was like, are you planning on breastfeeding? And I said, honestly, like if she latches, great. If not, like I am not forcing that. I do not care enough about it. And she was like, that's great. I love a fed is best mentality, right? And then the woman who was helping me like with the latch and stuff was like, do you want to breastfeed? And I was like, yeah, if she latches, like that's fine. If not, like I'm not going to push it. And she was like, you have to. And I remember thinking in my head, like, I have to do anything. <laughs> right, right. And do what I want. My right. choice. What? Right. And like, it ended up working out and it wasn't stressful. So I did it. But like, one of the things that I realized is like pumping, like I, and I'm not giving this out as advice. This is terrible that I did this, but like, this is my mindset is like, I knew that pumping was going to be the cost of my sanity. Mm-hmm, it was and so I just, I just didn't do it. Yeah. And yes, like, did I get mastitis? Did it hurt? Was it annoying? Did I wake up with like just breast milk everywhere? Yes. So that's why I don't <laughs> recommend it to anybody. <laughs> but like that was my own journey that I chose to go on. And I have a really good friend who decided to exclusively pump. And like that was her choice. And like props to her. I could have never done it. Right. Yeah. So it, it's sort of like that mindset of like 
and this is another thing that I really work on with moms is like, once you understand what your expectations are versus your reality, it's like, how do you become confident in these decisions that you're making? Because everybody's going to have an opinion. So you have to be confident in what you've chosen so that their opinions don't matter. Right. Totally. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. And you're, you're <laughs> right. Because I, I just, I just have to tell you a quick story because your story yeah. is so great. And I mean, I can't think of the right word. It's so great to hear because we all do have such very different journeys and experiences. You know, my babies were born early. I call them my babies. Oh my gosh. I haven't called them my babies in a really <laughs> long time. My children, they were born early. They spent a month in the NICU. And from day one, I said, I don't, my whole thought process was if I can breastfeed, great. If I can't, okay. Right. I had that same mentality. And then my kids were born and I had, you know, an unplanned C-section. I wouldn't necessarily call it. Well, it was an emergency C-section. That is true. Just thinking out loud. Don't mind me. And (laughs) they wheel, you know, once everything was finally done after that, there were complications with the whole thing. Finally got me in my own room by myself and I mean like family wasn't there yet nobody was in there with me I was just laying there like what okay no babies and you know I had preeclampsia so they have the compression things on my legs and I'm just like okay what's gonna happen and then the um, lactation consultant came in and it was a Friday and it was the end of the day and she wrote instructions for me on the dry erase board in my room and went over everything so fast with the pump. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't really know anything about breast pumps. What? I have to, yeah. What do I have to do? Wait, what? Huh? Yeah. Okay. And she was like, all right, well, I'm done for the weekend. So tomorrow uh-huh. you'll have this person. And I was like, I just had two babies. They're in the NICU. They can't be with me. And I don't know what I'm doing. And nobody was here to like take notes or anything. So I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. And so I didn't know that I needed to get pumping right away and that it was gonna, if I didn't, this could happen and this could happen, blah, blah, blah. I knew nothing. And from that moment on, every single person I talked to was telling me different things. And I've just felt all this pressure and suddenly my initial, if it works great, if it doesn't, that's fine, turned into, it has to work, Mm -hmm. just has to be. And when I wasn't making enough milk, it became this whole other thing. And every single lactation consultant was like, you're just not doing it enough. You're not pumping enough. You're not putting babies to breast enough. I'm like, well, they're in the freaking NICU. And I don't yeah, live at the I hospital. Can't. They're not, they're right? not like, helpful. Are you kidding? <laughs> I don't really know what you expect me to do here. And pumping is not like it's, oh, let's go pump. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's awful. Oh. I mean, my experience was awful. I hated pumping. Horrible. Yeah. It just, and I just completely feel like, anyway, that was just my story simply because the way you described that if she latches great, if she doesn't fine, that is totally how I started off. And then I became obsessed to the yes. point that I was pumping every few hours. And then I couldn't pump for like, six or eight hours at a time and then I was like okay I'm not doing it enough and I there's not enough milk here so something's wrong with me and this isn't working and I because the babies are in the NICU okay I can't get to the NICU what am I going to do what am I, and and for a year it was like that a mm-hmm. year I breastfed I 
bottle fed. I formula fed. I pumped. I was one of those triple feeders for a long time. I was waking up at four in the morning to pump after just going Mm -hmm. to bed after pumping. I mean, it was insanity. And I feel so angry. Not anymore. I've gotten over my anger, but (laughs) I should say I felt so angry. And in retrospect, I feel so disappointed that I didn't have someone like you helping me through that struggle because truthfully, I didn't know who to turn to. My sister and my mother never had breastfeeding struggles. They didn't go through infertility like I did. My sister also had twins, but our experience, I mean, our birth stories were very similar, which was really weird, but they weren't, they were so supportive, but they couldn't help me. And the lactation consultants couldn't help me. And so anyway, Mm -hmm. I don't mean to go off on a, a whole tangent there. No, but I think that this is important because my other like, professional baby is like this whole thing about bringing awareness to like postpartum anxiety right and it it manifests in a lot of different ways and I don't know your backstory at all but from what you've just shared what I hear is you know you struggled with infertility you got pregnant so now like this is great like you you went from this struggle of something that was out of your control somebody gave you something in your control then you felt good because you had these babies and then an emergency C-section, no matter what, whether or not you're planning on having one is out of your control. Mm -hmm. Your baby's being in the NICU for a month is out of your control, right? Then you have this person, this professional that comes in and says, all you have to do is do this enough and right. And then you can do it. And then for any person that has had any struggle with control, you look at that and you're like, yes, somebody just gave me the magic key to being in control of my life. So that becomes the obsession, right? And then it's so hard to get out of that mentality because everybody's confirming your obsession. Uh Nobody is sitting there saying, what are you doing? Like you're not sleeping. Exactly. (laughs) You've got two babies waiting for you to complicate things. And, And I only mention this because I think that I feel like I feel like you'll understand this just because of the work that you do. Uh, when I got pregnant with my kids after this lengthy infertility battle, I had gone through fourteen fertility treatment cycles, and nothing was working. And I got pregnant with triplets, and I miscarried one of them. Uh-huh. And it's crazy when I look back at the entire journey from the day we started trying to get pregnant until today, till this very second, and Uh then this second, and then this second, you know, and I look at the whole thing, and I'm like, that miscarriage was part of this whole thing, because you were just talking about the, you have control, and then the control's taken from you, and that was part of that, was like, oh my gosh, I have three babies, and then it was like, no, you don't, and I was like, oh, okay, and then it's, don't get too excited, exactly, (laughs) exactly, and there's just so much that you're saying that I feel like, Gosh, you know, like we all go through these struggles, right? I, 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 I'm always astounded when I meet someone who's like, oh yeah, I got pregnant on the first try and my entire pregnancy was great. I gave birth naturally, no pain medication, vaginal birth, no tearing. My recovery was great. I exclusively breastfed and it was perfect. And I didn't have any, and I'm like, 
Okay. So either you are like some miracle that, that I don't know, or you're not telling me the truth because I mean, we all struggle. There's always a struggle. And just as a side note, you mentioned something and I kind of want to just talk about it for a second. Postpartum anxiety. And I want Uh to talk about that for a minute because I feel like postpartum depression is something that no matter how much people talk about it, it's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel very strongly about that. And I feel but it has more airtime. Yes. And postpartum <laughs> anxiety is one of these things that I feel like people don't believe or don't realize is real. I mean, even with postpartum depression, I feel frequently people are just kind of like, it's fine. You'll feel better. And it's like, okay, that is not the right thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> Let's yeah, take yeah. that back a notch. But with postpartum anxiety, because I, again, I just feel like it's not a topic that people talk about much because I feel Mm. like people don't think that's a real thing and like I know from experience it's a real thing now I've I've struggled with anxiety and depression my entire really my entire life and I've been through severe clinical depression when I was younger younger I was about 21 um but it's it's what's my point here? I, I, it's just something that I feel like you, you mentioned it. And I was so excited that you just said the words postpartum anxiety. I was like, yes, yeah. someone said it because it's yeah. just such a, a real, real thing. That's really scary and really stressful. And that postpartum period is in, in, in my experience, post the, the, I always say the postpartum period for me, I consider the moment you give birth until about a year. I mean, for me, I kind of take it a little further, but I know yeah. sometimes people kind of like, oh, it's six weeks or it's three months or whatever, but I think it's way longer than that. <laughs> um, and for me personally, you know, I, the stress of that first year, now I know I have twins and everyone's always like, oh, you have it so much harder. And maybe in some ways, but I have it easier in others. I always say that it's a balance. My life mm-hmm. isn't so much harder than anyone else's because I have two kids the same age. Yeah, but that's a side note. I'm going off topic <laughs> again, but I, I just I just feel so strongly that people need to understand and talk about postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression. They're real and yeah. there's no shame in them, but glossing over it and pretending it doesn't exist or just you know, telling yourself, okay, I'll, I'll be fine in time is not going to help you. I right. just had to say that. Yeah. I'll, I'll get a little technical for a minute, but <laughs> I promise I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So um, the reason why postpartum depression gets more airtime, I agree it, it needs way more, but it gets more than postpartum anxiety is because in the DSM, postpartum depression is the only diagnosable postpartum disorder. Mm-hmm. So all these other things that we talk about postpartum in terms of mental illness are not diagnosable and are not recognized as a diagnosable disorder in our medical system, period. Mm-hmm. So then when you dial it back even more, like I had a lot of training to be a therapist mm-hmm. and I was a licensed therapist before I had kids. And I the only training I got in postpartum depression is postpartum depression is exactly like regular depression just after you have a baby. So treat it the same. So that's the training that I got. So 
I, and to your point is like, I had this very unremarkable pregnancy, like in the grand scheme of pregnancies, it was very easy. And the like biggest problem I had is I had horrendous heartburn. Mm, But other than that, that's, I was fine. That's enough to be awful. (laughs) Right. But like, it was fine. And then like, even my like labor and delivery experience was great. Even though he was a little bit early, he was like 36 weeks. Like other than that, like it was fine. Like I did have an epidural and that's why I could not do the pain. But imagine. <laughs> um, me, like my experience was that like when he was born, nobody really communicated what was happening. All I know is that the NICU team sort of came in took him away and then like that was it and and similar to you I was just laying there Mm -hmm. I had an epidural I couldn't get up so I was laying there by myself my husband was with him in the NICU and no doctors were coming to talk to me like no nurses like nobody was like hey this is what's happening so and as like I I look back on like the progression of my own postpartum anxiety it was like I've had a lot of death in my life prior to having kids. And this triggered something in my brain that I thought I had resolved. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, there was this intense fear and then almost that compulsiveness Mm -hmm. that maybe you saw in terms of like your um, pumping and breastfeeding journey. Mine was about everything being safe. Yeah. Right. And not like the the standard, like, okay, we want to make sure the baby's safe, but like triple, quadruple checking everything, like panicking if our monitor wasn't working or all of that stuff. And so I think like the the postpartum anxiety piece is that we are doing such a disservice to moms because one, people aren't trained in it Uh and they're just treating it like regular anxiety, which was my own experience too. And then on top of that, like nobody talks about it because they don't know anything about it. Right. Right. It's so true. I mean, something that you said now, I'm not a licensed therapist. I, I don't have training as a counselor, not a psychologist, none of these things. So I can only speak from my own personal experience. And, and I speak from my own personal experience with depression and anxiety and after becoming a mom and experiencing postpartum anxiety. And they are very different. Yeah, there are overlaps for sure. And, and I even see that with um, postpartum depression, which is not something I have firsthand experience with. I have, not even secondhand, I know, I know people who have gone through it. I know the signs. I know basic knowledge of how to recognize and, and refer someone you know, because I'm a, you know, my, my background is as a licensed massage therapist. And one of part of that is that I am a certified continuing education provider and I teach prenatal massage is one of the things Mm -hmm. that I teach. And in my advanced course, I'm always teaching people some of the signs. I can't teach them all of them because I'm not an expert. I only know the basics Mm -hmm. and I teach them some of the signs so that if if they have a client who's exhibiting some of these symptoms or is talking in a way that you think, you know, you need to refer this person and help them get help. And it, you know, the, the things that I've learned in my education over the years is that it is different really from 
I'm going to say regular depression. I don't even yeah. want to say it like that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm insulting myself by saying that. But the truth is, yeah, again, there are overlaps. There are things that are similar, of course, because anything that causes something like depression or anxiety, there are going to be things that overlap, but it's such a different experience. The trigger obviously is different, but it's not just different because, oh, you gave birth or, oh, you became a mom. There's so much more to it. And I, I just, mm-hmm. I could go on and on and on about it. But again, this yeah. is all from just personal anecdotal stuff that I see. I had a friend who went through postpartum depression and I didn't know, and I hadn't seen her in such a long time. And it was like a year or so after she had her son. And then I hadn't seen her all that time. And then she told me, I went to the doctor because this is what was happening. And it was like, I wish I had known, but I hadn't even yeah. seen her or spoken to her. And mm-hmm. when she told me the things that was happening inside of her, I thought, wow, that's terrifying. That's yeah. terrifying to go through that. And again, I, I know what it's like to go through depression and feel like you're in a hole and you can't get out of it, no matter how hard you try and climb. It mm-hmm. just like, it, I always describe it. It's like you're climbing sand. So it keeps, yeah. you can't grip it <laughs> and you can't get out of I, that hole. I had a client one time that d- described depression to me as like trying to walk through clouds, mm-hmm. right? But like really heavy rain clouds. So it's like, you're just like really like trying so hard, like, but like, there's just so much pressure, like holding you back. Yeah, And I think... I think like, you know, there's so many elements that go into like the standard depression, but I think with postpartum depression, anxiety, there's always this lurking, like I'm supposed to like this mm-hmm. and I don't. Yes, absolutely. And I, I don't want to say it makes it harder because I think that that would diminish the, the pain and suffering of a, a person that struggles with like major depression, right? But I think that it is one of those factors that layers on to this postpartum piece that people aren't taking into consideration when they're treating it, when they haven't been trained in it, right? Yes, totally. Oh, I mean, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. (laughs) I really am. And I particularly liked what you just said, you know, about it's, you're supposed to like this, but you don't. Mm-hmm. And and that's, I mean, that's exactly what my friend would describe to me is she would tell, she told me that she, she thought she understood what postpartum depression was like, and she didn't know why she was having negative thoughts toward her baby. And she was like, I was really scared. I was like, what is wrong with me? Why, why am I not in love with my son? Why am I angry at him? Why do I feel resentful toward him? And yeah. she said that at the time, another friend of hers was with her and she was saying this and her friend said you need help you really need to go get some help and she did and and she was okay you know she worked through it but it was hard and it just yeah oh my goodness anyway such a an important topic oh my goodness gracious. yeah um yeah. so going with that I want to sort of talk about you know the the change that comes along with becoming a new mom you you become a different person. You just do, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't think that you change so much that you're not yourself. I mean, I think it depends on the person. That's kind of what I'm trying to say, but it changes you and it changes you 
in a lot of different ways. And it's different, really, I think for, for every single person, but I want to ask you how, how can a new mom, well, I guess there's two parts. How can she get comfortable with this? Well, new identity, because she, she has a new identity. She's mom now and she didn't used to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you get comfortable with that? I guess that's what my question is. How do you embrace it? How do you accept it, recognize it and say, why is this a bad thing? You know, I, I yeah. just think so often people see it as a bad thing. I'm not the person I used to be. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's okay. You know, we, we all change in life and you're never the same person that you used to be, you know, for well, physically speaking, you're not, but in every other aspect too, it's not just the anatomy of our body and cells changing and everything. It's so much more than that. But yeah, with, with motherhood, it's the biggest change, at least in my life that I've ever experienced. And so, yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So, you know, I have like two versions of an answer. Okay. The one version is like, there's this societal piece to this, right. Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah. Okay. That's great. You had a baby, but like you get six weeks, maybe eight to heal. And then like, you got to hop right back in there. Right. Like don't for a second think that like you get to adjust. Right. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> right. Come like, on. <laughs> Who possibly right, get like, that? <laughs> three months, you better be back at work or people are judging you. Right. Absolutely. And we're definitely not going to pay you. Right. To stay home longer because that would make you lazy. Right. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. this is like the societal piece of like, I have to get back to that person or else I will lose my job. I will lose my, my income. I, I won't be a functioning member of society. Right. So there's that element. Right. And then the other side of it is like that, that, um, (laughs) there's like a lot of body stuff too, that comes up a lot in my work, which is like, I need to get my pre-baby body back. And mm-hmm. it's like your pre-baby body didn't grow a human. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. So like those two like societal pressures, I think have such a huge impact that there's like no emphasis on like changing that, unfortunately at this point. But in terms of like your own personal journey, I think like it's really important to grieve the loss of that old version of yourself. Oh, yeah. Because that person's never coming back. You are right. never going to be the pre-baby person. Right. It's just not possible because that life isn't your life anymore. And that's hard and it's difficult and it's sad. And there's exciting parts about it too. But like, that's just a part of it. So a, a lot of times, like, I work with a lot of moms who are working moms. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I really try to emphasize to them, and I try to practice this in my own work, is like, don't sell to your work that you're not a mom, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you have to leave at five to get your kid from daycare. That's right. You have to call in sick because your kid is homesick. And those are important things for people to know upfront because one, you're accepting your identity that you're a mom. Mm-hmm. And that is the major portion of your life. But also you're letting other people know that that's your identity. And I think those two things combined are really important. I agree. I love that you just said that. And I think, I think that's a huge piece 
of the puzzle. And I'm so glad that this is something you work with women on because I think so many women, there's like two parts here. (laughs) Of course you had two parts. I have two parts too. (laughs) Uh, you, You said, you know, that, you know, when you go back to work, you know, you, you're, you have to embrace that identity by sharing. This is my life now. Like you said, I have to leave at this time. There's no negotiating that because guess what? Family yeah. comes first. That should, you know, for some people it doesn't, but right. that's just, that's part of your new identity. And yeah, it, it sure is scary. I mean, I know it's not easy to just be like, well, wait a minute when I was at my job just a few months ago, I could stay late if I needed to. And if I wasn't feeling so great, I'd still come to work. I just, I mean, now COVID, that's a different story, but yeah. <laughs> you know, in the olden days or the before times, as my husband likes to yeah. say, um, you know, you have a cold, you still go to work. You just, you know, keep your distance from people. But if your kid is sick, you can't just be like, all right, I'm gonna send the kid to daycare. It'll be fine. You know, daycare is sure going to be mad and they're going to say, well, no, you got, you can't bring your kid in or they're going to call you and say, Hey, guess what? Your kid spiked yeah. a fever and threw up on everybody. Yeah. And now everybody at daycare is sick. Yeah. And now, and now you're out of work for a week rather than right. a day. So, right. or I mean, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But I, I just think that that's such an important piece of that puzzle is making sure that your boss or your job or the people around, you know, things have changed. Yeah. And there's not, it's not even just that there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. Right. If, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I just think that's really important. I'm really, really glad you said that. And I don't remember what my other thought was. <laughs> I had another thought to tack onto that, but it's, it's left my mind. That's my new identity is I'm more forgetful now than yeah. I used to be. And I've always been forgetful, but I'm so much worse now. I don't even know (laughs) half the time where my shoes are and they're right in front of me. You know, it's like the sunglasses. I can't find them and they're on, they're on your head or you're on your phone texting someone and you say, okay, but I got to find my phone first and your phone's in your hand while you're saying (laughs) that to them. That's my life all the time with every single thing, but so much worse now. (laughs) I Um, get it. But I'm, I'm really glad that you, that you made that um, distinction of just, you know, you have to realize that you're, you're a different person now. And that's a good thing. It's okay. You, you, but oh, that's what I just remembered the other thought. I wrote it down too. And I can't believe I (laughs) didn't even see my own note. And I just caught it in the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh yeah. The fact that you said that it's important to grieve basic, I think I wrote the loss of your old identity. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a huge component. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge huge proponent of grief and accepting that grief is not just grieving death, right? When someone close to you dies or even someone not close to you, death is what I think people associate grief with, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not going to say, well, that's silly. No, but there's so many things in life that I think people think don't deserve to be grieved Mm -hmm. or that they don't realize it's okay. Like, like I always use the example for me during my infertility journey, there was a lot of grief, every treatment that failed every time I got my period, losing that, my baby, having a failed IVF. I had an embryo that was implanted in my uterus and it didn't stick. Yeah. I needed to grieve that. And I just think Uh people don't give 
grief, the attention they need to for themselves, for their health. And, and I just absolutely love that you said that because it's true. You have to grieve that because you said that person's not coming back. They're not, you are mm-hmm. not the same person, but it's not, it's, it's not, what am I trying to say? It's not fair to just say, okay, that person is gone. This is who I am now because yeah. it's a very big deal. It is a yeah. very big deal and grieving that loss. So, well, and I think, I think what we have a hard time grieving is an idea, right? So like the idea that you were going to have a baby in March and now that's going to be pushed to maybe April, right? Mm-hmm. That's grieving an idea, grieving the idea that you can't get that life back. That's an mm-hmm. idea. It's not like you're grieving like the loss of an actual person. You're still looking at your life and seeing these things. So it's the the grief of the idea. And that is a hard concept because it's so abstract. Yeah. But like we have hopes and dreams and expectations. Like that is what we live our lives based off of. And if, if we don't meet those things, it sucks. (laughs) And we need to be able to like, be okay to sit in the the sadness and the frustration and the hurt and the anxiety around all of it and, and grieve it and then move forward. Right. I hate saying move on. I don't like to say that, but like moving forward with your life, it's always going to be there, but like you can still move forward. You don't have to be stuck. Yes. You don't have to be stuck. I'm writing that down. I'm writing that down right now (laughs) because you're, you're so right. And I think I just feel like people so often feel stuck and they feel like, all right, well, I'm just going to feel like this. And you know, that sucks. You don't have to, Oh, Mm -hmm. I have to write. I'm just writing it down for myself because, ah, well, I'm writing down as a quote because, well, it's a good quote. So (laughs) Alison Lieberman said it. Um, Thank you. (laughs) I love it. I think that's, that's so fantastic. And that's just, that's such an important part of this, puzzle if you will called motherhood yeah it's a journey and it's a weird one and it's a puzzle there's a lot of different pieces and putting them together not easy but when they've got you it makes it a whole lot easier um (laughs) I have one more question for you before we move on to my fun stuff and that is your background which I think is really really cool that you have a background as an as a licensed marriage and family therapist which I think mm-hmm. puts you in a really unique position working, you know, as a postpartum coach, you know, and, and, and working in this field. So just tell me a little bit how you feel that, that your experience as a marriage and family therapist affects the work that you do with new moms, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, there's like three different, like, therapist categories, right? You have psychologists, you have LMFTs and you have LCSWs and we all have like different like trainings. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I can't really speak to like the differences because I don't know their trainings as much, Mm -hmm. but I know my training is very much based on like the family. How does the family impact the individual? Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at one person, they're coming into therapy, they're saying, I'm struggling, whether it's a mom or a kid or what, whoever, I'm struggling. 
it's easy to just look at them and say, this is what you need to do to fix your life, right? And in terms of like the training that I have had, it is very much like your your upbringing, the people you surround yourself with, the people that live in your home, all impact your ability to function, mm-hmm. right? So if you're anxious and then the person that you're living with is anxious and your mom is anxious and and avoidant, right? Like that's going to impact your ability to handle all these other things, right? So when we're looking at a postpartum mom that has postpartum anxiety and she is sort of like always in this heightened state and then we look at, you know, her partner who maybe isn't as anxious but is more avoidant. So she's mm-hmm. not getting that that connection that she's needing of like I don't want you to meet me at my anxiety level, but I also need you to not avoid it altogether. I need you to lean into me, right? But then when she calls her mom, who is equally as anxious, and her mom's response is to tell her all the stories that are going to amp up the anxiety, right? Now she's missed that, right? So the way that I describe it, and I, I think a lot of people have probably heard this before, is like, you're surrounded by people. And you're alone. Mm-hmm. And that is like the, okay, so how do we manage the boundaries? How do we manage our communication so that we can say to people exactly, this is what I need from you right now. And if you can't give that to me, I cannot turn to you in this moment. And then who do I turn to? And I think that like looking at the family is the most important thing. And that I think typically is where the marriage and family therapy element comes in mm-hmm. I love that and that makes so much sense to me that's so yeah. cool I do I, I I do that did that didn't make sense what I meant to say was I I don't know exactly what I meant to say I think I meant to say that is so cool I, I really I just I like that you bring this unique edu- no it's not what I'm trying to say the unique approach because of your background and the training that you have. And, th- and that's one of the things I always love about um, coaches and therapists because they're two very different um, things that overlap in some ways, you know? And I yes. always think it's so incredible when I meet someone, you know, like you who, who does both, you yeah. know? And, and that's so incredible because they're different a coach and a therapist has different goals, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a coach, I'm not a therapist. My goals are different, but you have the unique position of bringing this different perspective, if you will. And I think that's really incredible. So I think that's neat. So, okay, now let's switch gears. Let me ask you some some silly questions. Well, one of them is not so silly. The other one's silly. The first one. so, So my questions, I ask all of my guests these questions. And I have a lot of fun with these because I think they're really interesting and they really make you get all introspective and think about things that maybe you don't regularly think about. So question number one, who are three people who have had the most influence on you or who have been most inspirational to you? Oh, I know. This is a hard one. (laughs) I know. I ask people this and sometimes they're like, okay, can I get back to you? (laughs) Let me call you tomorrow (laughs) or in a month. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's no right or wrong re- an- reason I meant to say answer because it's, it's, it's just an interesting question. I don't know. Yeah. So 
at, at the risk of sounding like Ron Artest, now known as Meta World Peace, um, <laughs> I think like, honestly, my therapist. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I think that's great. Um, for, for two reasons. I think that like, when you find a therapist that you really connect with and that like, you can really do good work with, it is life changing. I right? don't want to interrupt you, but I have to say, <laughs> uh, because I, I like I got chills when you said that because I have been to and and I'm very open about my my life I've been to a lot of therapists psychologists psychiatrists different counselors if you will throughout my life for different things and you are right on life changing life changing yes. I'm sorry to interrupt I just had to no, say that's that okay. because yeah. I felt that so deeply when you said that please continue. Yeah. Yeah. And you can have like decent therapists, but like when you have a therapist that like you really feel like gets you and helps mm-hmm. you reshape your life to be something that really is manageable and enjoyable, it is a game changer. And so I think like my, my therapist has not only helped me in my personal life, but also my professional life. It has helped me sort of realize that like, she says this all the time, like, I'm never going to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. and you know, we are all hypocrites in one way or another. And like, especially as therapists, we can give great advice and great tips, but then not use them. And so I think that's really held me accountable for a lot of the things that I suggest to other people is that like, I also need to do that. Yeah. And so I think that that has been like, extremely influential to me. Um, I'm trying to think of other people. I mean, I feel like just like my experience with my parents, they mm-hmm. have both been influential in different ways my dad passed away when I was 18 and that sort of influenced me to become a therapist so I feel like that's pretty influential and I think my mom definitely influenced how I wanted to be as a parent you know Mm -hmm. she was much more of like the understanding welcoming um you know unconditional love parent and I think that that is something that I've always wanted to be so I think that that is Maybe they're my three people. I love it. I think those are three <laughs> excellent people. I, you know, and something that just as a side note, I feel like you'll probably understand this. When I ask that question, the vast majority of my guests in, include their parents. And that always makes me so happy. I've always been very, very close with my parents. And yeah. I don't know how to word my thought here. It just is very touching to me because I know a lot of people who either don't have a relationship with their parents at all, or they don't have the kind of relationship that I'm used to having. So it's always so touching to me, even though, like I said, the vast majority of my guests have one or both of their parents in the, this particular question as their answer. Um, yeah, I said that wrong, but you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) and that just, that's very, uh, I'm going to use, I'm going to overuse a word. I always use the word beautiful, but it is, I love that word and I can't help myself. (laughs) So I do um, like to like add the caveat with like, I love my parents, of course, but like they are both not perfect people and mm -hmm. they both like, there's definitely things that I have not admired about yes. them. Oh, totally. But 
But I do think that like I have gotten to a point in my own journey where I have learned to appreciate the things that they gave me as yes. skills. Definitely. And I can separate those two things. That makes sense. And sometimes it takes a lot of work. Oh, of course. And and yeah. if and if you I feel like if you didn't you said they're not perfect people, right? If they were, I'd probably think one of two things. Well, you're making that up. And there's something that, you know, you just don't want to know and that's fine. Or your parents aren't real and they're, you know, a figment of your imagination or something, you know? So, uh, but I am glad you said that because I do think that's important for, you know, people who might not have those as their answers can kind of go back and think, oh, well, see, I thought, I thought my parents needed to be perfect in order to have a good relationship with them. And that's, just not the case so thank you for clarifying that um (laughs) my second question is a little I mean it it can be a little silly and when I say can be I don't mean like you have permission you have permission to do whatever you want but I mean I make this question very 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 broad so if you could have I'm gonna say a gathering I always go with dinner party but doesn't have to be a dinner party if that's not your thing gathering soiree walk whatever it is with three people I put people in quotes and the reason I do that is because these three don't have to be people you can get creative if you want um I've had a lot of people get super creative with this you can have characters from a book you can have characters from a movie from anything they can be uh they don't have to be people they can be animated characters they can be muppets they can be, I had someone have spirits. I had, I've had people invite ghosts. I've had people invite, um, actually I've had two people invite a dragonfly. And that's because <laughs> for me, I, I was one of those people. I interviewed myself and I invited a dragonfly because I love dragonflies and another person. did. It, it's really as abstract as you want it to be or not. It doesn't have to be, it can be three people. And they can be people that you see every single day, or they can be people you've never met. It's really that, I know it it makes it so much harder, but it also makes it so much more fun, I think. I have my three people, I think. Oh, good. Awesome. All right. So who would they be and why? And and I went with celebrities, I think, because, I mean, this is like such a, this is the therapist in me (laughs) that's going to answer this, but number one, without a doubt, I want to sit down with Britney Spears. I need to know everything about her life what she's like in real life like I heavily followed the free Britney movement like Mm -hmm. I've read all the books like I need to know everything about her and why all of it so that that's my number one person I like it number two I don't know much about him but I've listened to some podcasts on him and he fascinates me is Rupert Murdoch I feel like he has such an interesting approach to parenting that I would never choose, but I want to understand why. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. He like pits his kids against each other and they like compete for the throne. Like it's like a whole thing and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. All right. And I need to know more. <laughs> so he's another one. And then the last one is a newer addition to my brain because I just binged this, but um, Anna Delvey. Oh, I need yeah. to know everything about her. <laughs> I like it. And I'm going to tell you, okay. with her. 
I have to tell you why that's awesome. So I have not watched the whole show yet, but saying that, so my husband and I are currently living at my parents' house and my parents, so like when we put the kids down for bed or like snack or something like that, my mom or my dad or both of them are usually watching something. And they had on that show for a couple of days, they, you know, were binging it. And I kept turning around and I was like, what is, what's going on on this show? And I had no idea. I saw most of one episode, which I think was like either the first or second episode. And then I saw what I think was the last episode. And I just remember thinking to myself a couple of things. First of all, what is with this girl? Uh What is going on? I'm so confused. Secondly, Mm -hmm. where is she from? (laughs) Because I could not figure out her accent. (laughs) And then I just, I I said to my mom, I think when it ended, I said something to my mom, like, I'm confused. She seemed like she was the bad guy in this show. I'm lost. And my mom was like, yeah, it's kind of a comedy. And I was like, it doesn't seem like a comedy. I'm really confused. (laughs) And I'm like, I I have to watch it now. I'm so confused still. I, I watched the the show and I read one of the books and mm-hmm. like I still have so many questions and I wow. really want to to know talk to her and know what the heck yeah is. what yeah. is up? Can you just explain yeah. it? I mean I totally I keep seeing all of these Instagram and TikTok, you know, like Instagram reels and TikToks of people parodying it. And every single one I laugh and I'm like, I've never been part of this show, but this is so accurate from the very little that I saw. And it's so, anyway, I think that's a fantastic answer, all three. And I, I just have to tell you, I absolutely can understand why you would want to sit down with Britney Spears and talk to her. And, and you know, this is coming from someone who, gosh, she, when she first like came on the scene, I was, I was like 19 or 20. And I remember thinking, who is she? Why does everybody love her so much? The song is so annoying. They play the song all the time. Can they stand it? I was young, so it wasn't like I was, yeah. you know, my age now. But I just remember always being like, oh, God, this girl again? Why did people yeah. love her? I just, oh, my goodness. And then as the years went on, I remember just sort of being like, I don't love her music, but I don't hate her anymore. Because, you know, like, I was young. I hated any girl who was attractive. Yeah. Like, She's awful. I hate her. Because you yeah. know, I was like 19, of course, <laughs> I hate any girl. But as her story unfolded in the media, when it when all of the stuff is what we'll say, can't think of a better word, unfolded in like 2008, you know, I I was older and I remember just sort of everyone kept sort of saying things like, oh my God, she's falling apart. I can't believe she did this. And I just kept thinking to myself at the time, something is going on with her and that's upsetting. And and I wonder what's going on with her. And then it was almost like she was so much in the media and then I feel like she disappeared. And then it was like this, like nothing and then boom and then nothing and then boom. And and then it was like here. And I feel like there's so much... I don't know. I feel like her story just really breaks my heart frequently when I think about it. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen the documentary that they did on her, but to to sort of bring this full circle, 
um, it's very evident that she was struggling with some postpartum mental illness Mm -hmm. and the paparazzi made it worse. Oh, well, and that just, I'm so glad you said that. Just (laughs) as a side note, it's always, I feel like you're someone who will get this. I'm always baffled that people in the general public don't understand that. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care how famous you are. Nobody signs up to have their privacy invaded 24-7 for the rest of their yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And am I curious about celebrities' lives? I'm not going to lie. Sure. Yeah, of course yeah. I'm curious. What's that yeah. look like? I'm never going to know. Exactly. I, I, of course, it's interesting. But I can't imagine walking out of my house and not having privacy. I can't imagine always having to have bodyguards. I can't imagine always being afraid to walk into my house because like when you're that famous, how could you not be terrified to walk into your house? I would be all the time. I would worry all the time. Okay. What's in my house today? Who's in my house? (laughs) Like what or who, you know what I mean? And anyway, so I I just, I, I just say that because what you just said absolutely you know postpartum struggles we we spent a good chunk today talk of time today talking about that and when you add that piece the lack of of privacy but it's so much more than that you know paparazzi isn't just taking pictures of you when you don't want them to they are everywhere and Mm -hmm. you don't get to be a regular person and yeah. nobody, nobody deserves that. And especially right. when you're struggling. Oh, yeah. You get what I'm yeah. saying. I could talk yeah. your ear off. I don't want to talk your ear off. But <laughs> yes, you, you have so much incredible insight. And I'm really, really glad you said that. So Allison, last question yeah. for you. And this is an easy one. Where can our listeners find you and connect with you? Yeah, so I have um, an Instagram the handle is at the new mama mentor and um, my counseling website is www.rihcounseling.com and then I actually just launched my podcast this week nice. and it is the new mama mentor pod and actually that. next week I will be airing an episode on postpartum anxiety. So. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited podcasting yeah. is so much fun it's so much work and it's so much fun and it's so such a crazy thing and it's so exciting yeah. congratulations that's a really big deal thank and you I'm so excited you. for you I can't wait I'm writing it down um so I can <laughs> check it out uh yeah for sure because that's awesome thank you for mentioning it so I'll, I'll put all yeah. of the links in the show notes and everything so that people can find you and and listen to your awesome podcast I'm so excited for you yes Thank you. Well, Allison, I just want to take a minute and thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk with me and talk about these really important things that I just, you know, that, that I'm passionate about. You're clearly passionate about and changing lives and it's so incredible. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure.